Hello, and welcome to What I Am Learning, a podcast where I talk about what God is teaching me in His Word. Today I'm expectant and hopeful that God will be glorified by the way that Psalm 130 came alive to me as I was reading my morning devotions. And I'm hopeful that this time will be an encouragement to you. And I just would like to start by reading the psalm in its entirety. It starts like this. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And for a few moments, I would just ask that you would listen to what God has shown me through this psalm. And I want to start this discussion with a question. And it's simply this. How do you respond to sin? And here, on the onset of this psalm, King David says that he cries out from the depths of who he is. Like, the verse specifically says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. And I have no idea on how you respond to your personal sin, but for me, I usually start a response when I see action. So, in my thought life, it always isn't snuffed out. And what's really encouraging to me in the beginning of this psalm is the placement of this specific verse. Like, King David didn't try to clean himself up before he cries out to the Lord of hosts. He didn't say, man, I just had a really, really hard day at work, or while my wife and I have been having a lot of conflict, or, man, I'm just not feeling it today. These first words show David's heart position, and it should be ourselves as well. The word depth here talks about the deepest and most remote part of David's heart. And Usually when we think about the most deep and remote parts of our heart, that's not a place that we want to bring people into. But the Lord knows all already. We serve an all-powerful, all-knowing God, and He already knows the deepest parts of you. He wants you to confess your need for Him so that you can be reconciled to Himself. And we must go to the Lord with the most remote part of our soul. And confess our need for him. And after this pure guttural cry to the Lord. The psalmist describes what he is coming to the Lord with. And it's very simple. David just cries out for help. He cries out for mercy. He cries out for someone to save him. When I was younger, I was a klutz. I was very clumsy. Um, I was always 
falling over, running into things, and just finding myself getting hurt much more often than I would like to admit. But when one of these instances happened, I would tend to cry out to my parents for help, and I would make sure that I would be heard. Like, crying, screaming. The whole neighborhood knew when I was in trouble, or I've scraped my knee. And, and here, David is actually doing a similar thing with the God that we serve. And he says, O oh Lord, hear my voice, exclamation point. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy, exclamation point. So David is literally screaming out that he needs help. And I am right there with David. I need help and saving from my sin. And, and these next two verses, verses 3 and 4, actually unpack how broken that we are and what our train of thought should be. And I'm just going to read them briefly. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And in this, in this first verse, verse 3, David suggests that if God counted the sins of all humanity, no one would remain righteous. And as he continues into the next verse, um, he's actually saying that there's hope in the cross of Christ as he continues. Now, forgiveness of our sins only comes from the blood of a lamb. In their day, it was literally blood from a sacrificial animal. But now, in the new covenant, it is what Jesus incurred, incurred on the cross. And after knowing this, that should lead us with this overwhelming sense of awe and amazement of the glorious God that we serve. And our train of thought when we are lamenting over sin should be our recognition that there is no possible way that we can make ourselves righteous. Even before the birth of our Savior in this psalm, David actually points to the beautiful truth that the only true way to reconcile ourselves to God is to admit our failings and to put all of our hope in our Creator. Patience has never been my strong suit, but endurance has always been something that I've been able to handle pretty well and even excel at. Since my junior high days, I've ran long-distance events, like... So in junior high, cross-country and track and field was something that I enjoyed, but I wasn't necessarily like winning a whole bunch of things, but I was slowly improving. And as I got into high school, I began to actually do well and towards the end of my high school career, win some small races and to have some success. And even all the way up to my senior year of college, being a part of the all-conference team, in cross country. And from a four and a half, four and 45 second um, long race to a 30, 32, 33 minute 10K, those things took patience and they took endurance. 
But when you got to the payoff and you did well, you ran a new PR, you you won a race, the payoff was great. And I wish I had the same attitude about the way that I feel after I run, which is compared to the way that I should look at my sin. Like, we should patiently wait for the Lord to save us. And that's just not the reality that I live in. I want everything to go really, really fast and to make myself righteous and to do the right things. But all I can do, like the psalmist here, is to patiently wait for the redemption that Jesus Christ brings. And while we are waiting, we must be doing that in the filter that is the scriptures. And here specifically it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. So the psalmist here is actually making a connection to these Levitical sacrifices that they would make to atone for sins. And while that was good and God-glorifying, how much more beautiful is it, is it that we get to wait while knowing that Jesus has already secured the victory on the cross for our sins? And all we can do is cling to the cross and the cross alone. And as the psalmist ends this chapter, we see this theme from the last two verses continue to these two verses. Let me read briefly. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And the psalmist says that we must put our full hope and our full assurance in Christ and Christ alone. From calling the whole nation to hope in the Lord, to ascribing to the Lord steadfast love and plentiful redemption, we can be confident that the psalmist is also talking about, is, is talking about the God of the universe that we faithfully serve. And if we trust in him, we will have life and life to the full. In verse 8, when it says, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. That is a big pointing sign to Jesus' return, where he will reconcile all things to himself, and we will live in perfect unity with him in heaven. Now, as we are still in the flesh and we will fail, we must cry out to the Lord when this happens. I know it's not the normal rhythm of my heart, but it is the most God-glorifying thing that we can do. His will must be done, and I will gladly submit to whatever He wants, and I would encourage you to explore that line of thought as well. And thank you for sh listening to this short episode of what I am learning. I hope it was an encouragement to you, and I hope that you are doing well in these trying times. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good rest of your day.